right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Art and Labor. Um, I am OK Fox. Um, I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'll pass it off to my co-host, Lucia. I'm Lucia Love, and I also prefer they, them, but it's cool. <laughs> but I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool with it, man. But I'm, I'm a cool, cool they, them. <laughs> I, listen, I don't know. Like, but I'm a cool mom. <laughs> I'm a exactly. cool gender neutral mom. <laughs> yeah, and I'm a cool parent. <laughs> I'm a cool parent. Oh, parent Thank is you. gender neutral. Yes. Thank uh, you. <laughs> and Sarah? Hi, Sarah Crow. I use she, her pronoun, pronouns. Pronouns. <laughs> um, and we are joined um, by the, like, Walters Art Museum uh, Union, basically. Uh, a couple members of the union. I'm not sure which uh, committees they're on and stuff like that. I hope, I hope to learn all about them. Um, would you guys like to introduce yourself to your anonymity comfort level? Yeah. Hi, I'm I'm Garrett. Um, I guess I can call on people. Garrett, do you want to go first? <laughs> sure, I'll go first. I'm Garrett. Um, I've been working at the Walters for about a little over two years. Um, I'm I work security as a gallery officer. I use I use he/him pronouns. I'll hop in. My name is Ruby Waldo. I use she/her pronouns, and I work as a part-time educator at the museum and have been for the past four years. And I'm Allison Hewitt. Um, I am a former Walters employee, and I was at the museum for about five and a half years in learning and community engagement. Tell us about how the union came to be. Um, are any of you on the the bargaining committee? Like, how how did that? How did those conversations start? Well, we're actually still in the process of forming our union. Um, we started back in November. There's about 90 of us uh, that are part of, um, hoping to be part of the unit. Um, and, you know, we've, we've really come together as, a, as an institution with folks from um, all over staff, so security, buildings, operations, visitor experience, learning and community engagement, and, um, you know, we have come together because there are a lot of really unhealthy practices that you know are taking place at our museum and a lot of other arts and cultural organizations. Um, the museum, our museum particularly, has a practice of terminating employees without notice. Um, there's disparate treatment of part-time and full-time people, um, limited, if any, salary transparency, and like a series of listening sessions where you know it seems like nothing ever changes. So uh, a group of us got together and have really been pushing uh, for a union. And unfortunately, our our leadership refuses to acknowledge us. So we've had to get creative in, in how we're moving forward. I see. Yeah, you're, I mean, your website is super, super legit. So it's just like, oh, wow, they're, they seem all up and running to me. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of help from the great people at Ask Me. Oh, cool. Uh, dress for the union you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that you were working there five years and uh, or all of you seem to have been working there for at least a few years. Um, what do you think first attracted you to that museum or how did you kind of come in? Are your artists or writers or um, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I um, grew up in Baltimore, and so I've been attending the museum since I was very young and have um, participated as as a child in many of the programs that now I help facilitate. Um, so Baltimore being the small town that it is, um, I've just sort of always been a block or two away from the museum. Um, and um, yeah, was was able to come on board as a, as a part-time educator. Um, and um, unfortunately, like, we have so much turnover in the department that um, I've sort of seen, I've sort of witnessed um, the ebbs and flows of um, different folks coming in and quickly leaving or um, people being on very different pages about um, what the job is and what the description is. Um, but that being said, um, that's this kind of institutional knowledge after a few years um, has, has, kept me there in some to some extent um, kind of knowing the the value of each program um, that we facilitate for youth and families um, and actually building relationships with our regulars um, one of our programs is is a drop-in art making session um, pre-covid every Saturday and Sunday and um, seeing um, a lot of our visitors every weekend um, really does kind of create this ritual and rhythm um, to it the work that fosters community. Like yeah. that's like yep. how a museum should function in a community. Right. And so there's this glimmer of, of that, of what could be, I think in, um, in our drop-in program specifically, but um, yeah, that's, that's what has kept me there. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like the, the Walters is just like, you know, it's an it's an institution here that, like, you know, it's a big part of the the cultural community. Um, you know, I wanted something that wasn't like service industry, looking to branch out and and get involved more in um, something art related. It's nice. It's really nice to work in a museum or an archive or a gallery. Like, it is a nice job. But it's like, no, I don't think anyone's going to blame you for wanting to work service it sucks oh, yeah. it often sucks <laughs> who doesn't want to work in a yeah art it's, yeah, it's nice like, how can you have a career that adds to your education yeah instead of just being a function of something that you just like do the same thing every day and don't go anywhere it's like if, like service is great like like serving people is is really nice in in some ways but it's like to to serve people art is even better like that's a lot easier yeah. than their insane uh food orders or stuff yeah. like that exactly. <laughs> yeah and i came to baltimore to go to uh mica and i got an mfa in curatorial practice which is really curating but focused on the people and less of the objects um so building exhibitions based on community desires and so I was really excited when the opportunity came up to work uh, at the museum doing community engagement because, you know, museums, I think, for a long time have kind of been needing a refresh in, in the community engagement element. And so um, that's what really brought me to the museum and kept me there uh, for the last five years or so. And that must be devastating to have to leave 
something that is completely aligned in what you studied and majored in and like go, goes to show how horrific these conditions can be to drive somebody like you out is extremely fucked up. Um, and I'm sorry. Um, it, but you know, you're amongst friends. I, I you know, <laughs> I worked for art form magazine for four years and I was like, Oh, I, I did printmaking in undergrad. I love publications. I love working at the book fair. I love all this shit. Um, even though I don't really like art form that much as a, <laughs> as a magazine, I was like, it's just, this is fun. People are fun. And then, you know, they protected a, a rapist and it's like, this is awful and I can't be here anymore. <laughs> and like, you know, this is just like, it, 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 par for the course, a lot of the times with these institutions that take advantage of young people who just are excited to be here. For sure. And um, I definitely, I definitely had this idea that I could change the institution from the inside out um, and not really understanding like the toll that that would take on me personally, emotionally, mentally, physically. And, you know, it's, uh, it's wonderful to work at a place that's trying to care about other people, but it, it really sucks when it's not caring at all about its own people and its workers and the people that are showing up every day, making it run. Um, you know, that's the mm -hmm. thing that I think is really missing out a lot of arts and culture organizations. Yeah, it seems like recently there's been a lot of reckoning at the institution. Um, like the Walters has been experiencing a lot of um, drama over COVID and uh over the history of the institution, how it was founded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's something that is often, um, well, in the, I guess in the past, um, has been kind of glossed over. And um, I want to say it's just within the last year and a half that there's actually been a very vocal, deliberate commitment to acknowledging um the Walters family's alignment and support of the Confederacy. Um, and yet it's not enough. Um, a lot of, I think a lot of the, the museum sort of response is often to publish statements or publish, um, you know, wall text, um, but to really kind of understand the colonial history and history of, of violence and white supremacy in the city, um, there needs to be like actual structural changes. Um, at this point, it's not, yeah, it's just, we all know this, but it's not enough to, to just amend the wall text or change the exhibition title. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, one way they could do that is by recognizing their union and having a more democratic uh, workplace um, and respecting their staff. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, something that comes to mind when I heard you speaking, Allison, was was this question of um, who the public there's the museum is serving, who who is that public? Um, and often it's it's um, described as the citizens of Baltimore, but to understand that their their kind of most intimate relationship with the citizens of Baltimore is, through employment. And so to really serve people would be to create a really um, nurturing and equitable workplace. Absolutely. 
Um, uh, so we, we definitely wanted to ask um, about the three weeks the museum was closed because the roof collapsed. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about yeah. drama. Was anybody was there that were... day? <laughs> okay, well, so the roof didn't collapse, but um, <laughs> but there was drama, roofing-related <laughs> drama. Um, so, yeah, so there were... Um, there was roof work being done, um, which like led to some like vapors circulating throughout the the museum for a number of weeks this summer. Um, and you know, there were multiple individuals who, you know, raised concerns or like or had like certain side effects, felt um like nauseous and um, you know, um, so lots of people were raising concerns and like through emails or through morning meetings and like, it, it was like met with like inaction. Um, but then like, you know, and it got pretty bad, like a couple weeks in there was like, there were like two days where like half the museum was closed because, you know, the vapors were so prominent. Um, and like one of those days I went, I went home you know, not feeling well. Um, and like another one of my coworkers went home that day. Um, and it just, we just kind of felt trapped because like we, we were trying to speak up and say, you know, like raise concerns about this for a while. Um, you know, but we felt like there was nothing we could do. Um, but then we, we got together, like some people got together and wrote a letter and about 50 of us signed um, and sent it to, to the Walters and, then like they finally took action and brought a, a hygienist um, to come investigate. Um, and as a result, yeah, the museum was closed for for three weeks. And so, you know, that's part of why we wanna want a union is so that we can have like a, a safety committee that will, you know, it just it just kind of felt like our our safety was not like top priority. And, you know, if we were able to start our union and have our have a safety committee we could have like a quicker response um to address you know these concerns right and i also i um the museum was so reactive rather than proactive in that um in that roofing drama in that in those very real safety concerns um and i think like um a safety committee with workers from the museum um, would be able to have that that foresight to see when when there are um, major construction problem or um, major construction projects happening that um, there would be um, necessary OSHA documents or um, you know transparency around um, what exactly is going on and who will be there. Um, management hasn't demonstrated any of that kind of um, that foresight or that kind of proactive stance when it comes to health and safety. And I, I feel really strongly that as workers who have experienced um, those kind of shortcomings that a safety committee would be, um, yeah, just like what a, what the a least they can do. It could be. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's something that people are willing to um, help with and put in like, as an extra part of their job and they could easily be working with your union in an amicable way to achieve mutually beneficial 
goals. Um, but they, <laughs> there's uh, no time. No, there's, <laughs> we got to put the show up. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys, you guys should do a, a an event where you invite a bunch of contractors to the museum just to hang out. Like just a bunch of like roofers a bunch of like people yeah. with the hey, what do you think about this doc is what do you this what do you guys cancerous? <laughs> what do you guys think of the structure of the museum <laughs> it, i mean seriously are in new york like the the carpenters union is fucked up but the um a lot of the other ones that like also represent carpenters for, but for different stuff are really chill so like like the theater ones are pretty chill oh yeah if you're working on a set like the set <laughs> painters union is cool but then they have to work with the carpenters union so they're like oh oh god these guys again <laughs> yeah look out yeah are other unions in baltimore supporting your efforts at all have you um done any big actions like that yeah, that's a great question. Um, most recently, we've been working um, and uh, communicating and sharing support with um, the Baltimore Teachers Union. So that's a union, a well-established um, union of Baltimore City school teachers. Also um, their share of uh, dangerous roofing problems. Oh, and- sure. Yep. <laughs> as a, as a um, former student of Baltimore City Public Schools, there's, yeah, there's God. plenty, plenty to talk about there. But um but yeah, so we when we um, hosted our rally um, about a month ago, actually we had really great turnout from the Baltimore Teachers Union, and um, so they've been great allies to us um, in this process. That's lovely. Uh, we love our teachers, don't we? <laughs> I know the teachers have just been great throughout everything, like you know, throughout the yeah. past couple of years, like the teachers, teachers and have nurses. Been- a, a plus like tr- doing doing their best and honestly we need to support them more <laughs> if anything because they're really on the front line with the COVID stuff because the kids can't get vaccinated and it's insane yeah I'll also say that AFSME um our regional um AFSME hmm. team has been um super supportive and then um the AFGE and the IBEW of Baltimore have also been um helping us out the American Federation of Government Employees, and it's a, the International Brotherhood, Brotherhood for Electrical Workers. Oh yeah, they represent some of the Guggenheim and up here, and um, we have we have some locals for them up here for oh, sure. Nice. Um, yeah, that's I mean, that's all really lovely. Like to have um, su- support from other unions is there more stuff that artists can be doing to support you guys you think yeah um so we've been um hosting more events recently i mentioned the rally but um we also had a um a kind of projection um sort of guerrilla projection um two weeks ago um we were working with a artist collective that um we're initially based in Baltimore and are sort of um, scattered now, but um, they're called Luminous Intervention, and they've done a lot of actions, direct actions, direct projections um, in D.C. and Baltimore and elsewhere in the region. Um, but that was a really great way to engage um, some artists and also kind of um, 
gather a crowd in the park across the street from the museum. Um, but then in terms of um, um, continued support, we've, um, we've had a lot of artists um, share statements about why they support us. Um, and we've been able to share those quotes um, on our social media page. And then we have a um, community letter that we've had uh, lots of artists and, and community members sign on to. Um, yes, that is definitely share anything that we could boost in our networks too. I mean, you know, people come, I, I was down in Baltimore uh, the other week for mm-hmm. just to visit oh, hey. my friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I didn't go to the Walters. I went to the BMA. If anything, there's, there's solidarity there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Worker solidarity, I would say. <laughs> but next time for sure. Um, <laughs> Good. Uh, sorry, possible. <laughs> but yeah, was was there there any other like stories you wanted to share or th- like anything that we missed um, about like you know all of these various efforts? You've been getting a ton of press, so I mean, there's there's a lot for people. We'll put in our show notes for sure. I would say that um, despite despite all of the press that we've gotten, um, one of the the major frustrations that we've shared is that um, after we first went public um, at the end of April, um, our museum director stated um, that she refused to voluntarily recognize us. And that was um, something that, um, you know, shaped our efforts, but we continued um, to push for it. After, um, after this kind of continued opposition, after we had met with city council members to um, advocate on our behalf, who willingly did, but didn't actually um, kind of shift our director's opinion, um, we uh, wrote a, um, a letter, a collective letter to her, asking for her to meet with us um, to discuss alternatives to an NLRB election. Um, and that acronym is National Labor yeah, Board of that's when we all Regulation. Know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So the next sorry. step is oh, sorry. Is the yeah is to to act to uh, either send it you know do do a vote or get you know that's like this is your last this is your last chance to voluntarily recognize us before we do an election basically. Yeah. So she. Um, is is very adamant that we have our election through the NLRB, um, but we know from um, precedents that often the NLRB leans conservatively mm-hmm. and will most likely try and split our unit up um, into supervisors and stuff like that. Yeah, and then we'll separate security we'll out from right. um, yeah non security. Go ahead. Oh, oh yeah, no. I was just saying, yeah, like, um, yeah. yeah, they've they've typically separated security out from. It's it's common for um, for like employees and their employers to um, have elections through through other vendors, though. Yeah, um, you know, we just don't we don't want our our power to be you know split. Um, we don't want that division to happen. Um, 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's the American Arbitration Association, for instance, um, that we could have an election through. um, And that would be like a a fair and inclusive process. um, And it'd be the fastest route after, you know, voluntarily, them choosing to voluntarily recognize, voluntarily choosing to voluntarily recognize us. but yeah, there's just a lot of, um, it's just been a lot of, a lot of turnover, um, especially lately. And, you know, there's been a lot of health and safety concerns with COVID and, you know, the vapors, I, as I talked about. And um, so we just, we want to move forward. Um, but um, yeah, but, and actually there's like, there are three members who work, who are on the board for the Walters who are also on the Open Society Institute in Baltimore um, that have had an election through the American Arbitration Association. So it's like, it's clear that they know that, you know, I mean, but they're also, you know, they're also being advised by Shaw Rosenthal. um, And so it it seems very likely that they're, you know, like the the letter that we, um, we sent that Ruby was talking about, like the response was, like no, we will not. We will not meet with meet with you to discuss a way forward. But you can go ahead and file through the NLRB. And so, it, it like, you know, it seems fairly likely that the, you know, the insistence on the NLRB is, you know, because they know that it will divide our power. Um, well, yeah, this, this is yeah. this is this has also been a trend with a, a lot of the other museum. Right. Uh, unions that we've talked to is they they lawyer up with the the big right. dog anti-union psychos <laughs> and um like it, 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 it it's a tough road it's like uh, you know the uh, everything that's that happened with the new museum union for example is just a huge bummer if you um are up to date on that like it's no. it's Um, I mean, they were kind of being evasive about it, too, from the institutional angle. But if you wanted to see like a real mask off situation, like at the Guggenheim, it was incredible to see them using the New York Times as this piece of like armature for them to go like, we don't need a union because our top down structure enforces culture. Like we can't have people deciding oh, what happens here because <laughs> they wouldn't understand the art that we're working with. Like it's, it's very elitist. <laughs> it's true that yeah. the New York Times has become this like arm of of you know bosses and the cops and like they they had a very similar um, you know hit piece against decolonize this place during the MoMA protests. Like that was just so biased, so fucked up. Like just um they're they're chomping at the bit to to defend these uh uh really you know yeah. messed up hierarchies right. and these they want yeah they want yeah. control they want control yeah. over what people there's, see and how they experience art yeah i would yeah, say there's, that there's, there's been like one a, nuance oh, to the walters oh no i'm, I'm sorry um it's just that um the museum is technically a um, was given as a gift from the family to the city of Baltimore. Right, it's public. So right. um, it's a it's yeah we we um, operate really as a quasi city agency, and the amount of public money that um, the museum relies on is is 
substantial. And so the fact that um, we know that they are receiving the services of the law firm that um, Garrett mentioned, Shaw Rosenthal, um, this very outwardly anti-union firm, um, the fact that they're using public money on on that is is of great concern. Oh god! Um, <laughs> is there yeah, is there I, public accounting and transparency in in uh, you know the finances? No. So there's actually a, a, a lot of. I mean, we're we're organizing for countless countless reasons, but one is is to really hold the museum accountable to the city. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not a full time worker, but full time employees receive benefits through the city. Um, and kind of, I, I would say a nuance to our campaign has been um, that in the city ordinance, their collective bargaining rights are, are available um, or sort of extended, I would say, to um, other quasi-city agencies. But the Walters is left out of that code. So um, after Julia, our director, refused to um, uh, recognize us and then refuse to meet with us to discuss alternatives to our election, um, our election facilitation. Um, we um, started to meet with, with city council members and um, are working on passing a change um, in that code. Um, we have, I would say more than half of Baltimore city council has agreed to co-sponsor that change. Um, I would say, I would just, um, Hearing, hearing, kind of, you know, so many of these trends in the museum world, um, we're definitely there with, you know, experiencing the complications like the new museum and like the Guggenheim. But there's this nuance that we're kind of straddling um, being the- a quasi city agency. Yeah. 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 And honestly, it's another avenue for you to put pressure. So it's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah. That you can actually try to wrangle these council people, um, you know, just hold their feet to the fire. Cause you know, here in New York, like we have more sponsors of the New York health act, which would like be like New York Medicare for all than there are needed to pass it, but they still haven't passed it. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> it's still, it's still tricky, but yeah. it's like, it is a, it is an interesting, a very interesting opportunity. That's different than here for sure. Yeah. Two of our um, voting board members too. Um, one is the mayor of Baltimore and the other is um, the um, city council president. So um, yeah, there's there's sort of this um, strange overlap of, you know, church and state of art museum and public agency. And um, we're, we are really, we've received a lot of the, a, a lot of support from city council, but what we're really struggling with is this is this um, really deliberate push to have a public hearing and then to have that change in language for the code. Um, and one detail um, that I left out was that um, the collective bargaining rights that are extended to other quasi-city agencies, that includes the Baltimore Museum of Art workers and the Enoch mm. Pratt Free Library of Baltimore workers. Um, and and you know those are very much kind of sister institutions to the museum. So um, we are hoping to be quickly included in that, and then um, that would allow us to have a, a local election that would keep us in the city. Um, you know, this is city money, city citizens. Um, 
it, it ought to be in Baltimore and it ought to be facilitated by the people who, um, you know, are interwoven within the fabric of, of our landscape. Yeah, no, that's very well said. And, and thanks for articulating all of that. That's very, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that, very unique. Yeah, very unique. Um, um yeah. Do you, so I have a question about the structure of your institution then. Do you have like, um, a board and uh, like an endowment and everything that's separate from the mm -hmm. public funds that you're receiving? Yes. So there's, there's both um, an endowment, there's private funding, and then there's also public funding. Um, I, it's a little bit out of my, um, oh, my field to, to go any further into detail, but. Um, oh no. I mean, I, I guess yeah. I just asked that because um, when people are trying to organize here in New York, it's mostly like dealing with private funding or with like a, mm -hmm. these board members. And there's been a lot of really like specific uh, strategies for tackling how to deal with like their control over the institution. But then right. just hearing about this other angle, it's like, I'm assuming that having these different revenue streams makes it in some ways easier because you could be like, oh, here's this sort of wing of the funding that isn't working at all. And if we could just transfer completely mm -hmm. to public funding, then we would have like, I don't know, at least yeah, a different no. reality to contend with, probably still fold with the issues. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it has kind of presented us with another opportunity to, um, or I would say, yeah, like a, just another place to advocate for, um, for equity and transparency because, um, you know, the museum, um, in its mission statement, you know, is, is for the public, but it's also really funded by the public. So there's, um, yeah, you're absolutely right that there's, uh, this other kind of layer and, um, I guess Garrett, you might want to speak more to this, but we've been making, um, we've been trying to reach out to board members, and the board um, at the museum operates in, in, I would say, from my perspective, mysterious ways. Um, yeah, that's what they're and, here for, being yeah, mysterious. Right. <laughs> oh, <I guess>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, Batman, yeah. like. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we've tried contacting them, obviously. Um, or, I mean, not obviously, we have tried contacting them. And, um, yeah, mm -hmm. their response has just kind of been, their line, it, it seems like they agreed on a line that was like, this is inappropriate uh, to call us. Um, we're like, you should talk to Julia, the director. Um, it's like, well, we tried to, you know, so we've so we've tried multiple, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying multiple venues and, and you know, they've, they've sent a lot of, like, all staff emails and a lot of like posted a lot of letters on their website to the community that say that they're very dedicated to like open communication and then you know a you know like a, a fair fair process um but still won't meet with us um and you know there there have been there were meetings where we you know, we had questions. They told us to wait, save questions till the end. Mm. Like, and then we like, we, we went to, you know, like the directors kind of stopped um, attending meetings because she didn't feel 
like comfortable with us asking questions. And so we like turned to, to email to like reach out to people, but then like, mm-hmm. you know, the like management or like the director in HR came around like meeting with, you know, people in the security who had sent these, you know, these museum wide mm-hmm. emails um, to like kind of, um, to, to silence, to silence. Yeah. Uh, from, but like, you know, people in other departments had also, you know, shared their support, but they weren't like, <laughs> their hands weren't slapped, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I would also say that like, as a result of, of the attempts to question and to raise, you know, um, some criticism, um, our all staff Zoom meetings, the the chat um, was disabled. Um, and so we went months and months without actually being able to um, speak unless we um, proposed a question prior. And then it was really filtered through HR whether that question would be asked or answered. Oh, yeah. um, Classic. And then our um, <laughs> ability to send all staff emails was also disabled. Um, so we were at, like um, very literally unable to communicate beyond our silos of, of um, departments. And um, yeah, something that, that, that Garrett mentioned was this, you know, other, other folks were speaking out, you know, maybe in conservation or curatorial departments, um, but there's this, there, I would say that there's, I mean, like most museum institutions, there's a siloed culture between departments, but the um, workers who are most public facing, and that's absolutely security, and then our um, public programs slash education um, folks, we've just gone through a restructuring. So it's we we call our department what was formerly known as education um because we've been we've been split up into categories that don't aren't super clear to us but um uh yeah have you have you guys read (laughs) um any uh jane mcalevy like uh, organizing for power type stuff Mm -hmm. because like she talks a lot about mapping the different you know different departments and stuff like that and i think it's it it's doable like without like it's like of course they're making it harder but like you know it it's it's just it sucks it's like so much more extra work for you guys to map all that out but um i know there are probably ways and you know next week we're talking to some sf moma workers who put together their own kind of like organizing for power specific to museums that um, it might be, I don't know, might be helpful (laughs) for just rethinking, re-strategizing. Cause it's just, it sounds like you guys are in the, the middle of like a crossroads of all these different possibilities. And then, yeah. And meanwhile, you're hemorrhaging employees and stuff and like having to recalibrate or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, um, is actually (laughs) where I was trying to go with that is the, um, is that the, the two most public-facing departments are the ones who have um, kind of, I would say, suffered the most from this hiring freeze that the museum has had. Um, and so Garrett can definitely speak more yeah. to this, but yeah, security I mean, has lost about 10 people. Yeah, we've lost, like, 10 gallery officers. And, and like, before, like, before we had lost those 
you know, 10 gallery officers a year ago, there were, there was only allowed to be like, only one of us was allowed to request PTO any given day. Um, so that kind of shows, you know, um, so like, you yeah, know, it's still insane. the case that only one, you know, we can only use our earned PTO. Um, only one of us can use it um, on any given day. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're just like, we're pretty spread. But what if two thin. of you There's get like, COVID? What do you do? <laughs> I know, right? Like, come and, in and work anyway. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, people can still have unplanned days <laughs> off, but yeah, but there's just like a lot of, you know, there's just kind of been, um, they've kind of been like in the past, um, you know, people will be questioned about why they, why they ask off. So there's, there's sometimes hesitation for, for some of my coworkers to request off during a pandemic. Um, it's not really cool. Um, but like, yeah, but, but like, like I said, we lost like 10 people and then like we've had four contract, um, security guards put, um, on the floor. Um, so there's like concern that, you know, among some of my coworkers that like will be replaced, but, um, but there's just like, yeah, there's, there's concerns about outsourcing, you know, just because by the nature of their, their job, they're not committed kind of to this to the Walters, like they could be moved around. Um, we're, we're just kind of losing kind of the sense of institutional knowledge. Um, yeah, I, I guess I just, I want to just add that I've been really taken aback by, despite having such a small team um, in my um, department in education, um, and then seeing how, um, how, spread thin security has been there's because of the folks who have stuck around there is this um muscle that i think we are building when it comes to responding immediately and in a pretty organized way to these um crises really um with the health and safety concerns and then with um with other um concerns around shifts being canceled and not receiving pay for for work um there's in this in this process of, of organizing, we have really strengthened that that muscle um, and our the channels that we've kind of found to to break down those silos have been um, have been have become such important tools. Um, even having like a space um, like our our Slack channel to reflect on all staff meetings, like there are these um, really kind of these places that as workers we've carved out um, to start to like model some of that, some of what we hope to accomplish with a union. And that's in terms of um, prioritizing relationships and well-being between workers and then also communication and transparency um, and space to reflect and, and to share. Um, and so with, you know, it's, it's easy for us, I think, to, to kind of spiral in um, when we think about just the, the kind of the what's the phrase it's it's a race not a sprint it's a something yeah, like oh, it's that. a marathon a marathon in this marathon that we're running that we are like so fatigued from we are out of breath we have um been able to kind of see the power of these more equitable strategies that we've employed and so it it has given me a glimmer of 
of what could be and and the strength of the workers to despite being so short staffed so often without paid time off um i'm really grateful for the way that folks have shown up for each other recently yes that's yeah that's very well said like you know the workers you're always going to pick up the slack like stuff you know like security health and safety all that stuff like like what's so fucked up about management is that they know you guys care about it and will like will pick up all of the slack literally you know like that they are causing from like laying people off and being um bad managers in general um so yeah i mean that you guys care about the museum and it's worth figuring all this out and it sounds like you are and it's i think going to be really inspirational to our listeners who you know also work at a lot of these uh, you know cobbled together institutions that are like yeah <laughs> messing with their employees all the time um you know mm-hmm. and if and if you guys ever did escalate to you know some sort of picket action i think you'd have a lot of support um just saying Uh, (laughs) we're ready (laughs) I would say there's a a culture of resiliency at the museum amongst workers and um, it never ceases to amaze me the ways that people because of their care and because of the value that they see in in, um, having public space and public programs for for people, youth and families in Baltimore, um, that that yeah, people people uh, our fellow workers show up and um, yeah, I think that that point you made of about um, this care, this like this uh, commitment to people is something that I I think the museum or museums like to um, kind of posture as prioritizing that but really it it it's it emerges out of the workers efforts it's um it it it's bottom yeah. up um, they're stealing and unfortunately your, they're, they're able to your work yeah they're taking credit they're taking credit for for what you guys put in and they're just mm-hmm. sitting back and, and writing a pr thing about it you know it's mm-hmm. um it's sickening uh <laughs> it makes me sick <laughs> 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 you want to start a <laughs> yeah, the, um, the people in I, it um, really the security- love- Sorry. No, go right ahead, Sorry. please. No, you go ahead. I was just going to also say that, like, yeah, the, the people in the security department that are still around, we've, I feel like we, you know, we really have each other's back, those of us who haven't left um, because we were dissatisfied. Um, but but also it's just been great um, through this process to, you know, you know, the departments are quite siloed, but to kind of break those walls down in a little, a, a little bit and like get to meet people in other departments. Um, you know, it's been really great to find our power. Yeah. That also just <laughs> uh, responding to that reminds me too of this question of like, how do we scale care and that it's it has to be um emergent from like bottom up you know that that sometimes we've found ourselves um 
talking to coworkers about um, some of the museums, DEAI, diversity, equity, mm. access, and inclusion work, um, their kind of goals, which feel quite lofty and quite um, just like really operating on a kind of glacial speed, um, uh, that often they're sort of um, really broad, overarching um, the, their, their vision for the museum is actually not dissimilar from what we are advocating for as workers, but we are putting it into very specific terms um, in, you know, in terms of transparency, pay equity, ladders of opportunity. Um, and they're sort of still operating in that general, I would say, like neoliberal kind of um, mm -hmm kind of like these utopian ideals. Um, and so that's sort of like, it's it's in terms of scale that I, I think sometimes um, workers versus leadership, like we can't, there, there's a lack of trying to, uh, for leadership to kind of scale down to find the actionable steps. And that's really what we're, we're demanding of them um, right. to do. And, and, um, and I, I see kind of, the process of unionizing as a way to exercise um, exercise care or find kind of a, a structure to to care on a larger scale for museum workers. It, it's the only mechanism to actually hold people accountable if they actually right. give a shit about diversity metrics and not just like paying some consulting company yes. to make an infographic and like be like, oh, we're doing oh it. Oh my gosh, I'm clapping. <laughs> 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 Yes. That's what they all do. That's what they're all doing. Um, it's too real. Um, but yeah, um, thank you so much for sharing um, your stories. I don't know if anyone had any um, last words or plugs for their personal projects. It was really lovely to get a glimpse of Allison's story too, but she unfortunately dropped her internet out. <laughs> um, but uh, any personal projects of hers that she's working on post um, Walters, I would love to drop in the description below and anything else personal projects or anything like that yeah I would say um that it would be great for our listeners or um fans of the podcast to um follow us on on Instagram um yeah we have a, a fairly active presence there um and there are links to sign off on that community letter um there are um uh there's a press there's some of our, our um, collated press um, engagements. And um, I believe there's even kind of an email script that folks can copy and paste. Um, or at least there are emails to kind of direct um, advocacy, personal advocacy towards. So, um, yep. Email, yeah. email the director. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> email, call, anything you have to do. Yeah. I guess, I guess with that, I'll, I'll um, end the recording. Lovely meeting you all. And um, we'll definitely support your actions on um, our social medias and all that. So, Thank you so much. <laughs> Let's, have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Lots of fun.